You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. This is Locked On Hornets, and it's 2018, our first show of the new year. Welcome back to us. Welcome back to you, our listeners. This is your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Search your podcast apps for Locked On to get podcasts on the NBA, the NFL, and fantasy sports. I'm Doug Branson. I cover the team for FanRagSports.com. I'm joined by the man, the myth, the legend. He's been covering the Hornets since they were the Bobcats on AtTheHive.com. It's David Walker live from the beach, a beach vacation. Yeah, why not? Kicking off 2018. Now, Doug, I'm on a landline. This is truly some new technology wow. for the new year. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me know if, if you know if we drop out, if, we, if it breaks up, or, or you just want to hang up on me. Go. Um, we're going back you know. to the future. Actually, the landline is is a secure connection. That's uh, you know, I don't have to worry about you dropping out. I you well, know, may may we may I, worry I about long distance uh, costs. There you go. You might want to <laughs> dial me on one eight hundred collect. <laughs> I got a calling card. It's all good. Okay. Is it cold at the beach? It's freezing, man. It's just a snow. Why tomorrow. go to the beach now? Unless you're going to Miami. Unless you're going to Florida. Why would you go to the beach now? Uh, we didn't get a Miami. Um, because it's here, the access is available and we figured, you know what, why not? Let's see some snow at the beach. Well, listen, you're doing better than, than we are here in Charlotte. It's a, it's a cool 11 degrees out there, sports fans. <laughs> and uh, I, I had every intention, David, of putting this show back on YouTube, of going live. And then I woke mm. up this morning uh, at my residence, and the pipes, well, the, I don't know what the deal with the pipes are, but I'll tell you one thing, Whoa. we didn't have any water. So Whoa. I don't think it's an us issue. I live in a, a complex, so I think it's a complex issue. Yeah. Um, and it was very complex figuring out how I was going to take a shower, figured that out. But by the time I figured all that out, I couldn't put us on the air live. So that's why we're not on YouTube yet. Just wanted to let everyone know that and know that, that I have showered. <laughs> I, I have put on deodorant. I do smell fine. I just, uh, it just took a lot of time to get ready this morning. Okay. Let's talk Hornets. By the way, this uh, show is brought to you by our good friends at frame warehouse. Visit framewarehouse.net today. They have the very best price on your next framing project. In fact, it's guaranteed. It's a guaranteed best price. Got a good show for you ahead. We're going to recap an exciting game and a less than exciting game for the Hornets over the weekend. Uh, Plus, I've got some stats here. I wanted to tell you how the Hornets finished out the year of 2017. Uh, You you probably have a good idea, uh, but I wanted to dig into the stats a little bit, tell tell you what we think about those, and then finally we will preview uh, tonight's game against the Sacramento Kings. Uh, but first, the Hornets were uh, they are out west right now in the midst of a four-game road trip with uh, uh, what I think many uh, believe is their season on the line. Uh, they got things started with a surprise win over the defending champions, the Golden State Warriors, who were without Steph Curry, but still had a lot of firepower. They had Draymond Green back, who they did not have in their matchup their first matchup when they played in Charlotte. 
They followed up uh, that on New Year's Eve with a disappointing loss to the Clippers. We'll start with this win against the Warriors. How did they do it, David? I mean, this was this came out of nowhere. We said they needed to w- they needed to win three out of four on the road, but we pretty much penciled in the Warriors as a loss. It ends up a win. Yeah. What happened? Well, I mean, I think they got a little bit of help from the Warriors who weren't playing their A game, of course. But honestly, I mean, I think we should give some credit to the Hornets here. They played probably the best they could possibly play. I mean, first of all, Dwight Howard was dominant. Um, It was certainly his best game of the season. He was all, all over the place. And they had the contributions that they always need from various places, right? Like Frank had a big game. So the bench stepped up some. Uh, Nick was involved. He was playing aggressively. And then down the stretch, Kemba hit some big shots to kind of keep that lead out there. I mean, the Warriors, um, no Steph Curry, of course, but they did have some other good players on their team. They have a few, Doug. I don't know if you realize that. They have a few few guys who can play. But, you know, the Hornets were just able to get things going in their direction and hold on for the, for the win. It's not something we've seen often. And even during the game, Doug, you were a little more confident than perhaps I was. I was just waiting for that inevitable Warriors run to come. I mean, Clay Thompson was the guy who started off the game for the Warriors super hot. Um, I guess they missed the scouting report on that one. He, he, he ended up having some wide open looks, but Durant was a bit off and, you know, the Warriors did not have their A game that night, but, but I, I think a lot of the credit should go to the Hornets in this particular case because they played well enough to beat a really good team on the road. Um, and start off the road trip in a, in a good fashion. I like what you said there. They, they, the Hornets sort of maxed out. They played their very best basketball, and that's what you have to do against the Golden State Warriors and have them give you some help. That help came in the the form of points off of turnovers. The Hornets getting 32 of their 111 points off of turnovers and only giving the Warriors 11. So when you're, you're getting spotted 21 points, it's going to be a little easier to win a basketball game. And they didn't have Steph Curry, who returned... Uh, I believe the next, the very next night, I think it was the first night of a back-to-back for the Warriors, if not two nights later, and Curry was absolutely explosive in his return. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. you know, that that always helps. You, they, I thought they did a good job of bothering Kevin Durant, making him uh, shoot shots that uh, weren't necessarily comfortable shots, not in rhythm shots. He was 8 of 19 from the field, did, did have 27 points, but not the same dominant Kevin Durant uh, mm-hmm. that you saw in Charlotte. And then uh, in terms of the bench, they just didn't get much production. Jordan Bell, 3 of 7. Nick Young, 2 of 7. David West, the only bench player in double figures uh, for the Warriors. And then you mentioned Dwight Howard, 29 points on 10 of 15 shooting, 13 rebounds, and then the big number, 7, 7 assists for Dwight Howard. They got him going early and often, and he was effective underneath the basket, and that caused Golden State to do something that the Hornets want other teams to do, but that other teams haven't necessarily done because they can get away with it, which is, drumroll please, double-team Dwight Howard. You just haven't yeah. seen that. Teams have not sent a second man over to, to try to bother Dwight Howard because that would mean opening up things for Kimball Walker. That would mean opening up things for Jeremy Lamb and teams have just made the gamble that Dwight Howard is not the same effective player underneath the basket and made the gamble that the Hornets haven't necessarily found a way to get Dwight Howard the looks that he needs around the basket 
in terms of you know running those plays where he can get those lobs that he got a lot of in Atlanta and Houston and of course in Orlando. Hornets haven't been able to do that. So so teams can yep. gamble, not send a second man over, but against the Warriors, uh, they they had to because he was so dominant and that and he was uh, you know Dwight. That's a, Dwight's an unselfish player, I think, but he's if if it's single coverage, there's just not a lot of open places for him to pass the basketball. Right, yeah, and he made some good passes, man. I mean, a lot of those were really nice finds that led immediately to to easy layups for teammates. And you mentioned Jordan Bell. I mean, he was kind of abusing him. Uh, That's why I'm assuming the Warriors had to send some more guys over because he couldn't handle them at all. And that was something that, you know, Warriors folks and observers were talking about after the game, just the concern around Bell is a little bit undersized for that position. So when you're going up against Dwight, obviously – uh, you need somebody who can bang down there. Zaza started the game on him, uh, or started the game, and, and can do that a little better, but Bell just could not handle Dwight. And Dwight was on. I mean, Dwight was on that night. He was making difficult shots, and then, like you mentioned, finding teammates when they did doubles. So a lot of things went right for the Hornets, which is what you need when you play the Warriors. There's no reason to apologize for that, right? But, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a fun game to watch. I'm hopeful that... Some of the Hornets fans out there did stay up for that one. It was a Friday night game. It was a late tip, but that was the kind of game that that was really a nice little gift for Hornets fans, Doug. I think because it's been it's been uh, tough sledding here of late. All right, let's pause for a second and talk about Christmas gifts. Did you get any cool ones? Did you get something maybe to put up on your wall, a poster perhaps? I had a good friend send me a a picture of. Uh, of of the inside of Spectrum Center, and it was autographed with all of the players from last season. And uh, I had to get that framed. And you know where I did that, David? Frame Warehouse. Frame Warehouse, that's right. It's the absolute best time of the year to get something framed, whether it's a holiday gift, a home decoration, or something for your bonus room. Now is the time to get that framing done and get it done right with our friends at Frame Warehouse. We're proud to partner up with Frame Warehouse because they've been family-owned right here in the heart of Charlotte for over 35 years. They have the guaranteed best price on every framing project, and at Frame Warehouse, you can frame almost anything for next to nothing. If you can think of it, you can get it framed. Sports memorabilia, posters for your office, maybe your kid's bedroom, jerseys. They'll even cube up uh, that uh, Frank Reich-signed Panthers helmet you always tell people about, and I know you're telling people about it. The best part is that Frame Warehouse makes the whole process super easy, and I don't know about you, but I need easy. Frame Warehouse has framing experts that will walk you through the entire process and turn your project around quickly and for an amazing price. Don't let your prized possessions go undisplayed. Talk to our friends at Frame Warehouse at one of their six locations in Charlotte, Go to framewarehouse.net to find the one nearest you and tell them Locked On Hornets sent you and give them a Go Hornets, Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte. All right, let's move on to Sunday night. The Hornets take on a Clippers team that is finally getting healthy enough to compete. The Hornets, though, using that energy from the big win against Golden State to go up comfortably at halftime. Kind of started the game slow, but played well in the second quarter. But then, David, they get outscored 31-14 to in the third. What in the world happened? Man, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it was just some of the same old Hornet stuff that we've seen uh, over the season, and I was hoping that that would go away a little bit with the with the Warriors win. And and from the start, it looked really good, Doug. I mean, they they came out playing well. They they built a nice little lead, um, but uh, 
uh, too much Lou Williams, one thing for, for the Clippers, he was, what did he get for 38 off the bench? They had no answer for him. And, uh, just, you felt like that one was an opportunity to really get rolling on this road trip, go to two and oh, and try and stretch this thing out. But, just couldn't do it. Um, I, I don't know what the magic sauce is, but I mean, that's been, it's been their issue all year that they just have not been able to take advantage of some of these situations. I mean, what did you see? Because it looked like to me the same old thing was happening. They just, you know, couldn't get stops late, couldn't get any stops late. And, uh, and Kemba tried his best to keep him in it. But man, it, it's just kind of the, the, the same old horn is kind of creeping in there to, to bite them. Yeah, this was an odd game, right? Because normally it's it's the second unit that disappoints. It's it's when Kemba leaves leaves the floor that that the Hornets have issues. But this game was the exact opposite. You had no other starter uh, play. This wasn't Kemba's fault. You had no other starter in double figures. Nick Batum four fourteen from the field, one of seven from beyond the arc. Had open looks in that third quarter, did not hit them. Uh, nine points on the game. Dwight Howard, completely opposite performance from him. Tried to, tried to get him going early, couldn't. Uh, they did a good job of uh, defending him, especially, I thought, in the third quarter. Again, that crucial third quarter where they got outscored 31-14. to 14, uh, Blake Griffin getting switched on to, to Dwight a few times and, and was able to get a steal and, and basically frustrate him around the basket. He finished one of nine from the field, four points and 10 rebounds, and then Marvin Williams, who has been effective all season, 0 of 6 from the field. Michael Kidd-Gilchrist in 20 minutes of play, 2 of 4, so he just wasn't very involved offensively. But you get your – see, if, I think if you can get your standard 25 in between Jeremy Lamb and Frank Kaminsky, the, the Hornets have a shot right. to win a basketball game, and they got that. They got 28 between Frank Kaminsky and Jeremy Lamb. They got 25 against the Warriors. That's got to be the baseline. And if one of those guys yep. can then reach beyond that, that's going to help you. Uh, against the Clippers, it was Travion Graham with nine points and Johnny O'Brien off the bench. Johnny O shots. Johnny O, give me the ball. I'm going to shoot it. Four of seven from the field, 10 points. He was a boost as well. Both of those guys giving the team energy. But it was just the starting unit that was completely disappointing. Again, I go back to that third quarter. You go nearly four minutes without a basket to open things up. This was, look, you're, you're playing in the Clippers building, and, and they right. disappointed in that first half. They're healthy. They desperately need a win to get things back on track, uh, to get back into contention in a, in a Western Conference that has some sort of softness at the bottom of it. The Clippers are, are certainly not out of, out of things at all. So they, you knew they were going to come out with a lot of energy, and you know every, every game at this point for the Hornets – is is a crucial game and for them to come out like they did in the third quarter is it's it's inexplicable it, it's you, no right. one understands what's going on with this Hornets team right now and I think this this Clippers game was as good an indication as any that uh, this team is a is an enigma it is a mystery right it's not fixed right I mean no, they're trying the to tell us. They're trying to tell us who they yeah. are right I mean that right. that's the thing the yeah. Warriors game got a lot of people excited and certainly, you know, we were excited by the victory. Anytime you can beat the defending champs, that that should say something. It should signal something. It should do something for your team. But we've seen this so many times. They get a big win against New York. They get a they get a win against Milwaukee, and they can't follow it up. And it's not like they're getting blown out. The Clippers didn't come and knock no. their socks off. They just couldn't go no. out there and 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 be and and hit enough shots, have enough shooting. 
and and you know make enough tough plays. I mean, Montrez Harrell was out there making the tough plays. Oh, Blake man. Griffin was yep. out there making the physical plays. It just wasn't the Hornets. Yeah, and Lou actually had forty. Uh, yeah, don't two hey, don't steal two points from Lou. He earned every single one of those. <laughs> he did, man. But they, yeah, they couldn't get any stops. And you mentioned Harrell. It's all. It always seems like it's a guy like that who is just who just doesn't give a damn. He is going to go as hard as as he can. And the Hornets just sometimes don't have anyone to kind of step up and match that. It's it's really hard to explain. Uh, he's out there, you know, like a bull if, in China shop, just going up against everything. And and yeah. and if there's a guy like that. The Hornets either hit back immediately or, more often than not, just kind of fade away. And that's, you know, there wasn't a counterpunch to that. Well, that's that's just it. Who on that – you you need someone on the first unit to counterpunch because there's really, in my mind, there's no one on that second unit that has the, the skill and the physicality. Mm-hmm. There's some guys with physicality like Johnny O'Brien and Travion Graham – that that there are some question marks around how much skill they have in terms of being able to knock down big shots. Trivion Graham starting to show that a little bit. And then you have guys on the yeah. other side that play a lot of minutes, like Jeremy Lamb and Frank Kaminsky, who are skill-based players. But when it comes to getting that one crucial rebound, when it comes to making that one defensive stop that you need to either jumpstart your own momentum or stop the momentum of the opponent, those two guys just don't have it. No. And, and, and it, yeah. it's hurting them. It's hurt them, I thought, the past. It could have hurt them against the Warriors had Dwight Howard not been so dominant. But uh, it, it just continues to hurt them that they don't have anyone on. They don't have a true sixth man. They have two or three guys that combine together try to give you what a sixth man. Like Lou Williams what is 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 going to be the sixth man of the year and you see him out there scoring 40 points that's fine but he was also deeing guys up getting in guys shirts getting steals how many steals did he finish with in this game had to be multiple right right okay one steal yeah but he had a lot of defensive plays <laughs> eight assists as well he was everywhere he was everywhere seemed like he had more steals but that's what i'm yeah, saying like it- he's giving you multiple things and I think that's right. a problem for the Hornets this season. Depth has been an issue, and uh, we'll we'll get to that uh, in just a moment because I've I've got some thoughts on that as well. Um, but and a lot of this too is just you know Kimball Walker. It, the the team is okay when Kimball Walker's on the floor, uh, and and they're they're not so great when when he's not on the floor. According to Cleaning the Glass, his on off rating is plus thirty eight, not too dissimilar <laughs> from last season when he was a plus thirty. Two seasons ago, David, when they went to the playoffs, the Hornets were a plus 14 with Kemba on versus off. And Kemba wasn't a a 20-point worse player two seasons ago. In fact, I think you could argue he struggled to score more this season than the previous two, yet the team is so much worse without him on the floor this season than they were two seasons ago when they went to the playoffs. And to me, that signals... Depth. They don't have anyone behind him uh, that that can that can distribute and you know generate some kind of offense. And, and this all goes back to the fact that they didn't address depth well enough two seasons ago when they let Lynn and Lee go. They made the Plumley acquisition, which was an overreaction to try to make the playoffs, and that hurt their ability to get any quality depth this season. Zeller obviously being injured hurt that. That was supposed to be their depth piece. That was supposed to be their matchup issue. That's gone away. Yep. 
So that's that's this is I'm just I'm just saying, David. Like to me, this Clippers game, they're just telling us who they are. And oh, for sure. And that's because I, I read these tweets from uh, these uh, national basketball guys, like Hardwood Paroxysm. What's his name? Uh, Matt Matt Smith. From CBS, Matt Moore, Matt Moore from CBS, Matt Moore, yeah, saying yeah. like they don't know what's wrong with the Hornets. It's, it's <laughs> a, it's a myth. There are now. I just because I just got done saying that there were that they are a mystery. There, uh, let me let me make an addendum to that. There are players, individual players on this team that are playing very mysteriously. Like why is it that why is it that Nick Batum is is effective one night and not the next? And 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 it's just it's one off, one on. Like that's mysterious uh-huh. to me. It's mysterious why uh, Michael Carter Williams has absolutely cratered offensively, but I, I think it's pretty easy to figure out why this team isn't playing well, and, and I think it all goes to depth. Yeah, I mean, and you mentioned the point guard situation. That's certainly the biggest thing we looked at to start the season, and 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 Jeremy Lin's name pops up here again, and that's the last time Kimba had a legit threat behind him. Like from an offensive standpoint, and with somebody that you could play with Kimba to kind of give you a dangerous lineup. Like I know that's what they were hoping for. I'm assuming that's what they were hoping for with the Monk draft pick, right? Um, or, or, or maybe they just hope they could jam him into that role at some point. But obviously, that hasn't materialized, and so you lose out on having um, that depth on the second unit. But you also lose out having kind of a different look to be able to put in there beside Kimba and give him like another guy that either can create or score because you mentioned Batum not doing it night in, night out. You know, uh, I don't know if, I just don't know if he is building towards that with this injury, Doug, or if it's just how it's going to be all season. I mean, if he's dealing with pain all season, then that may be what we get like more often than not, or, or one night he's good one night. He's, he disappears. I don't know, but I mean, you mentioned the starters, of course. It's just tough to win that when it looks like no one showed up outside of, of Kimball Walker. Um, yeah, in someone else's building. I mean, for Kimba's sake, though, it's good to see him hit those shots late against the Warriors and then be the Kimba of old, scoring 30 points against the Clippers. Because I think some people are starting to get a little nervous here, um, you know, in this little dip they're having that Kimba wasn't playing his best and was and was dinged up a little bit. So it's good to see him bounce back. But yeah, uh, these are games that they need to be able to pull out and win. And this was an opportunity to get 4-0, I feel like. And we'll see what happens with these other two. You said it a couple of times, they're definitely winnable. I mean, you're playing on the West Coast, you're playing in other people's buildings, but you already you already did. <laughs> you got the, the toughest win out there, the one nobody thought you could get in the Warriors. So if there's any hope of saving the season, they've got to win these next two games, you feel like. But that's the that's the hesitation with everyone watching this team and everyone watching the Warriors, whether you watch it or whether you saw the box score in the morning, it's like, well, that is exciting. It was fun, but you just you, you feel like this team hasn't put it together enough where you can feel confident that that's the, the performance you'll see night in and night out. And this Clippers game was really frustrating. I mean, really, honestly, really frustrating to watch and disappointing because it was there. 
uh, to be had. It's and a, it's a game that I think, I think it's a game that happens in a season, you know, uh, with one of your starters not shooting well, they take away one of your other pieces on the starting unit and your bench has to step up. The bench did step up. Like those games happen. It was a close game. The Clippers never were able to open up a huge lead in, in the fourth quarter. So the Hornets, you know, they stayed around, they, they kicked, they fought and we've seen that time in and time, you know, time out. But at the same time, when the season is as, when they when they desperately want to win and they can't, yeah. I think that's what's what's disappointing and what's frustrating uh, for for fans who who do want this team to win. And then the Golden State yeah. Warriors game was probably frustrating for for fans that want this team to lose. So they they can't really figure <laughs> out uh, what exactly they want to do yet. Let me ask you this, David, because you mentioned Kimball Walker bouncing back. His scoring has improved over the past few games. Uh, his three point shooting has returned. Thankfully, he is dealing with that. Uh, wrist issue, but that seems to have subsided enough for him to be effective again offensively. Do you think that he's done enough uh, to warrant a, a second straight all-star appearance? Yeah, I don't, off the top of my head, I don't think so, Doug, but that's the Hornets' view. I haven't started to do my all-star rankings or or, uh, or charting out where guys are going. Point guard's obviously a tough situation. You want to do, do it real quick? You want to just, just name some guys off and see how far it takes till we get a Kemba? Well, yeah. I mean, so we've got, uh, you know, Isaiah's going to be out of the running, so there could be an opening you know. there. Uh, Kyrie, Kyle Lowry's played well. John Wall is, John is Wall. perennial, and, and he's... DeRozan. DeRozan, another guard, yeah. Um, uh, well, I mean, Giannis, if, depending on how they qualify him, he, that's always been a, a point of contention. Um, no way he could be a guard. My my feeling on it now, just sort of looking at it, is that he could definitely sneak in. But at the I same think, time, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't, just because the Hornets' record. The that's Hornets suck, yeah. That's yeah, that's awesome. the big thing. Like you, you don't you don't normally see all stars from teams that are twelfth in the in the conference. So yeah, yeah, that's gonna be and he's not going to get a fan vote, so it would have to be a coaching thing. And a lot of, look, he's look Kemba's well respected. Uh, the numbers have have taken somewhat of a dip uh, year over year, and we'll, we'll do a more extensive kind of deep dive into this later. But just my initial impression is that um, the opportunity is there, but at the same time, the record is going to, to hurt his chances for sure, I think. Yeah, that's always the case, it seems like. Um, I was just trying to see here, Doug, because... While you do that, I want to run through some numbers. Yeah, while you do that, I want to run through some numbers on 2017. So... The offense, the Hornets offense in 2017 finished 25th in the NBA in offensive rating, 30th in effective field goal percentage, 28th in true shooting percentage, and effective field goal percentage accounts for three-point shots. So they haven't been shooting a lot of threes, and they don't shoot them effectively. So that's why they're at the bottom of the league in effective field goal percentage. And then they're 20, they only jump up two spots when you look at true shooting percentage, which incorporates free throws. We know the Hornets take a lot of free throws. They're not making them as as often because they've, you know, they got Dwight Howard who's shooting the ball better from the free throw line, but still is, you know, his better is 65-70% and and it's, you know, that hurts the Hornets free throw percentage, but free throws are not helping as much as decent three-point shooting would help this team right now in terms of their efficiency. They're 25th in assist percentage, so the ball is not moving. They've had issues, I think, integrating uh, – well, there's two issues. One, integrating 
Dwight Howard into this offense and finding a way to move the basketball. And we go back to what we talked about earlier in the show where teams are not doubling Dwight. So there's not as many opportunities for him to pass the ball back out. The second issue is that they don't have great distribution on the second unit. You're not seeing Nick Batum play a lot with the bench. Michael Carter-Williams not racking up a lot of assists because he's not attracting a lot of attention because because teams know he can't play offense. Um, no. So they are first in turnover percentage. They're they're still uh, doing well there. Uh, big changes in the offense, David. This is really interesting. So they went from 27th last season to 12th in offensive rebounding percentage. Hello, Dwight Howard. They went yep. from 28th to 7th in percentage of putback plays. Hello, Dwight Howard. But they've gone from 9th in offense two seasons ago to to 13th last season to 23rd in offensive rating or excuse me 25th in offensive rating this season so again again well the offense is changing the offense is doing some things well that they haven't done in years past but what what do you take from all that they don't have enough shooting You, you know you can be dominant inside but if you don't have anyone else to shoot the basketball that's where the issues really lie and I know it's crazy that it breaks down to that simple fact, right? They just don't have enough good shooting night in and night out. And they're still going to play Dwight Howard and MKG in that starting lineup. And Nick Batum, yep. that's, that's the thing. Nick Batum's not shooting the ball well enough. So now you've got three players that right. are not shooting enough threes. And they're not, you know, Marvin Williams does not have a lot of opportunity. He's not going to get, you know, 10, 15 shots a game. So the nah. volume isn't there for Marvin Williams to be effective enough from beyond the three-point line to make up for the fact that you're not getting enough shooting everywhere else in the lineup. Right, and then where can you create? They can't create any other shooting, right? Like, it's not like they can go to an altered lineup, you know, that's drastically different. Like, they don't have a lot of options um, to change it up. Like you said, they're going to play Dwight Howard. What else? Did, what other choice do they have at this point? Uh, and then you got to surround them with some shooting, and yeah, you put your best choices out there. You know, it's uh, they just need guys to hit shots, um, and guys are dinged up. I think Batum especially, but um, if it's funny you mentioned him because when you add him, like you said, another guy who can't shoot right now to that starting lineup, that's it's almost like you're starting. Uh, you know, you're, you're spotting another other team five or ten points. Like if you just cannot hit shots out there, it makes it very difficult. Defensively, they're playing a little bit better. 11th in defensive rating at 104.6, right behind the Utah Jazz at 104.5. They are essentially a top 10 defense, but they wanted to be a top five defense. That was explicit. Steve Clifford talking about at the beginning of the season, this team needed to be a top five defense because he anticipated the struggles that this team was going to have offensively. I don't know if they they thought twenty fifth in offensive rating. That's not going to cut it. No. That wasn't. But but you know, I think they anticipated not having enough shooting. They knew they had to be a top five team defensively. So let's dig into those numbers really quickly. Twenty six in turnover percentage. Uh, so they're not turning the, the other team over very much. That that has not been a staple of their defense over the past couple of years. It, it is slightly better. Second in offensive rebounding percentage, so they're doing a good job keeping teams off the boards. Seventh in free throw rate. They don't they don't send teams to the free throw line. So cleaningtheglass.com has them as one of the top teams defending transition, defending the boards, and keeping teams off the free throw line. 
but they are 22nd in half-court defense. That's why they're not top five, because they're doing all of the things that Steve Clifford run teams demand, which is not don't foul, don't give up offensive rebounds, no second chance points, and, and defend teams in transition. They are doing all of those things effectively, but their half-court defense is still struggling. And I think a lot of that, if I had to, I, I didn't dig down this deep, but I think if I had to make a guess, a lot of that would have to do with the second unit. Oh, yeah. You see the so. drop-off uh, on, on most nights that when they just cannot get a stop, Doug, and if they've got one other guy on the other end, it's hard for that second unit. Look who's out there. I mean, you know, they often, even though Michael Carter-Williams is a good defender, quote-unquote, um, <laughs> it's just not. No, he is. He's well, a good, mean, he, no, he's a good he, defender. He, he, I guess, I, yeah, I mean, he's, he's a lengthy and, and he does bother guys. I, I don't want to slam him that much, but, like, it's not the type of defense that, that uh, you know, filters down to the rest of that unit. And, I'm, like, that may not be his fault. But you know what I'm saying? Like, you've got Lamb out there. You've got Frank out there. I think Travion is helping, um, but it's just not enough of those guys out there where if the other team has got somebody who's just going off, um, first of all, they can't counterbalance that with their offense. So it makes it tough uh, for, for that unit to, to, you know, punch back, like we said. So, uh, Did it, you get something on I mean, Kimba? I did, I did. So, so, so walk me through this or, or, or stick with me here, because I believe last year when we went through this, it's basically like six slots for guards if you factor in mm-hmm. all of the wild cards going to a backcourt. Mm-hmm. So let's just, let's just play with that. So you've got Kyrie as a lock. I'm going to put the two guys from Toronto as backcourt locks, DeRozan and Lowry, or, or put them in there. Um, and you talk out, me out of any of these if, if they sound crazy, but I think that's that's reasonable. Then you got John Wall in Washington. That's four right there, Doug. I think a guy who's going to get in is Victor Oladipo in Indiana. I don't see how he gets shut out. And so that's right there. Um, it's going to come down to guys like Ben Simmons in Philadelphia, who certainly have a lot of support around him. Beal, the other guy in Washington there. Yeah, Brad Beal. And Kimba. And yeah, and then Kimba will be in the mix. So that's what I'm saying. So I could very well see him sneaking ahead of Ben Simmons and Bradley Beal just based on the fact that it's it's a coach's decision. You know, yeah. Philadelphia and and is not you know, they're they're battling right now for playoff contention. Maybe that gives Ben Simmons the nod over Kimba Walker. I could see it falling both ways. What I'm saying is he is teetering right now, and it really yeah, it has it was, less to do with I, Kemba, I think. Uh, although his yeah. his his efficiency has dropped because I think injuries. I don't think it's a it's it's not a situation where he's just playing worse. I think uh, the talent around him has dropped off, uh, and you add the fact that uh, he has dealt with those injuries, and I, I think uh, right now he's on the edge. He's on the bubble. He's one of the bubble teams right now. If the Hornets can get within shouting distance of those other teams, that would give him obviously a big boost. But right now they're five games behind Indiana, who's in the eighth spot. Uh, yeah, uh, that's crazy because I had kind of written him off, which which is dumb, obviously, because he's one of the top guards in the league. But you just look at how poorly the team has performed, and it would be hard to imagine him him getting in. We don't give Dwight Howard any shot of getting in because I think there's been some buzz around that just – being a center, though it's 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 doubly hard, but I I don't think I don't think Dwight Howard is going to get that nod. Do you? Oh no, no. I, I think just uh, yeah. if you look at first of all the the impact on the team, it hasn't it hasn't translated into victories, right. and so that would have that would have been the one thing 
that if it had, you could overlook some of the issues that he has statistically. I mean, his efficiency is way down. His, yeah. you know, the, the, you just look at his time here versus Atlanta. He's been more important to Charlotte than he has been to Atlanta, but it hasn't translated into victories. And, you know, for I think for coaches and voters, uh, that's what they're going to look at. All right, real quickly, let's talk about tonight's game. Hornets take on the 12 and 24 Sacramento Kings tonight. Tip set for 10 o'clock p.m. The Kings are losers of four out of their last five. They're in a bit of a similar situation to the Hornets in that they went into this season wanting to win. They just had this uh, beautiful new building built, and they wanted to give fans something to be excited about, and they want to compete. But at present, they're unable to do so. David, what do we know about the Kings? So on paper, they don't look that good. I'm not sure they're that good in real life either, Doug, because their uh, offensive and defensive rating, both 30 out of 30. Um, How do they have 12 wins? Do I? I don't know. <laughs> right? How similar is it to the Hornets? Honestly, I mean, that's a sad state of affairs. But look, look how similar they are. They just beat the Cavs. Somehow they beat the Cavs within the last week. Um, but they don't play a fast brand of basketball. Uh, De'Aaron Fox and Frank Mason. Frank Mason the third is that? I think that, that, that's the full name there. Uh, Mason is questionable, Doug. So that's one area where I think the Hornets may be able to take advantage of this a little bit. If they're that thin, the point guard position, they'll have to rely just on George Hill and, and, and kind of move some other people around. But if both those young guys are out, uh, maybe the Hornets can take advantage of that there. Of course, we've talked about point guard and backup point guard, not exactly a strong suit of Charlotte. But weird team, man. They don't shoot a ton of threes, 29th in the league. They only shoot 23, kind of like the Hornets. Uh, they make 38% of this. So that may be a, a little bit better than Charlotte. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it's, they just, they did, they do not get to the 17 free throws a game, uh, for this King team. Lot. That is, you get, you guessed it, 30 out of 30. They, they are the 30 out I don't, of 30. I don't understand how they, they've, I want to call the locked on Kings people and just, I, I don't even want to introduce myself. I just want to call them. <laughs> And say, how do you how do you guys how do you have twelve wins? What what yeah, is your, uh, what kind of sorcery is this where you don't get to the line? You're terrible defensive. That's the thing. The Hornets at least are decent defensively. So that's why right. that's why the Hornets have been in basketball games. They just their offense is such that they have not been able to win basketball games. That's why they are where they are. But the Kings can't even play defense, and they can't play offense. I guess. And I already told you this, but just uh, you know, play along with me. Guess who their leading scorer is? Well, you told me, but I forgot. I mean, I would imagine it's Zach Randolph. <laughs> it's Zach Randolph, though. I mean, how insane is that? Uh, I mean, I, I suppose it makes sense, but when they constructed this team, you remember going back to draft night, I was like, oh, big winners, Sacramento Kings, got a lot of young guys coming in. Uh, a lot of guys who've had some experience in college. And Justin Jackson, uh, they had Skull yep, from Justin two Jackson. years ago, Skull of uh, And Jaeger yep. is reluctant to play some of these guys, and it's making fans Ooh. a little upset. They're 12 and 24, and they, he won't play Justin Jackson. He won't play Skull. And Jaeger is saying, and Jaeger is, is resisting that. He's saying, these are my lineups. I'm playing who I want to play so that I can go out and win a basketball game. Um, it's interesting, I think, yep. that, that Jaeger is facing that pressure. I would say that the fans definitely want to see Malik Monk play. They definitely want to see Dwayne Bacon play, especially as he you know accumulates 40-point games in Greensboro. But Steven right. Silas is not necessarily facing that same pressure from media members. 
And then nobody's like, they're not asking that question a lot. And I think a lot of that has to do with, with Malik Monk and, and what he showed when, when he was out on the court, he wasn't able to sort of justify enough playing time. Um, so it's, it's, it's just, it's, so it's sort of similar situations, but a little different as well. Yeah, and they allow the fourth most field goal attempts per game in the league, Doug. So the Hornets will have their looks in this one. Um, look, this one is a game for the taking, uh, but you and I remember how difficult it can be to play out there. Now, there's no Boogie Cousins out there this time. For well, the listen, King. you you have a you have a George, you have a George Hill who can go off from three. You have Bogdan yep. Bogdanovich who is was there. They traded for him you in got a sixteen. Buddy healed. Buddy healed is their leading scorer off the bench. So they have players capable of going off. That's how they beat Cleveland. You had you had multiple multiple veterans play very well offensively, and it was enough to overtake Cleveland, who you know has nights where they they just fall asleep on defense. So it can happen. Yeah. I think if the Hornets play their normal defensive game, if they prevent, I mean, if they prevent Sacramento from getting easy baskets in transition, keep uh, Zach Randolph from getting second chance points, and do an effective job against Bogdanovich. Uh, and guarding him from the three-point line, the Hornets. Sh- oh, I hate to say this, the Hornets should. Don't win do this it, ba- Doug. Don't Hornets do should it. win this basketball game. All right. Hey, on, uh, yeah, right. Because look how many previews we've done recently. We've been like, look, you can talk about the other team all you want, but a lot of this is coming down to this is how it's how the Hornets play. It's more up to them. I, like, there's no game that emphasizes that more than this one to me, Doug. This is a game that the Hornets should. Play their game. They but they play it. Di- the problem is the Hornets play a different game every night. Like I fully expect. Right. So the the starters didn't play well minus Kemba uh, th- against the Clippers. So I fully expect Dwight Howard, Nick Batum, and uh, Marvin Williams and Kemba to all be in double figures, and then you get like eight points combined from Lamb and Kaminsky. Like I fully expect that to happen because that's the kind of inconsistency that we've seen from this team, and that that's Man, what it was in twenty seventeen. Into Frank, yeah. How often did Frank look in that Warriors game? I mean, don't you just see like a different look on his face in some of these games? I mean, maybe it's just me, or maybe it's just when the ball is going in. But he looks a lot more confident. He's looking, uh, looking into his eyes, looking into his eyes. Looking at that hair. Looking at that hair. Slicked it back. He went like uh, it's sort of the the uh, doppelganger, the uh, reverse universe. You know what I'm saying? Evil. It's like evil Frank is what I'm saying. Right. He needs uh, he needs some sort of facial hair to go with that. But okay. Uh, we're back 2018 hopefully it's different for the Hornets hopefully they can they can find some consistency in their play night to night finish this road trip off with two victories because they'll follow this up with a game against the Lakers who listen the Lakers are having like meetings players only meetings to try to figure things out Sacramento you have Zach Randolph and George Hill like completely upset about their situation in Charlotte there's no players only meetings. Everyone's just like, well, that, that, I don't know what's going on. Uh-uh. It's weird. It's <laughs> totally weird. And 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 it's confounding national NBA people. It's confounding us at times when we look at this team and go, what what is going on? Why can why do the starters play extremely well against the Golden State Warriors and then follow it up against the Clippers with a dud? Like a lot of a lot of question marks. And maybe a lot of the and and you you look at the situation around Steve Clifford missing your coach. Missing, uh, what did uh, what did Stephen Silas say? It was a uh, a hole in their culture. So maybe that has something to do with it. Who knows? I think in that Clippers game, uh, you, you, that's the first one I could point to. 
for me and be like, you know, maybe it would have helped to have Cliff in there, but who knows, man, uh, that's, that's a game your veterans should probably bring home for you. But, uh, yeah, it's gotta be affecting them somewhat, but, but, but yeah, for sure. All right. Thanks for listening to locked on Hornets here yeah. on the locked on podcast network. We'll be back tomorrow with a, a recap of this Kings game and more. Follow us on Twitter at locked on Hornets. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcast, just uh, search for locked on Hornets, subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend, Shoot us your Hornets questions and thoughts to buzzbuzz at LockedOnHornets.com. I'll try to unfreeze those pipes and get us back on YouTube as soon as possible. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm. Charlie.